This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Today I get to be joined by Katie Adams. Katie follows digital health and health technology, health information technology at Becker's Healthcare. She does a brilliant job. What we've come to do is, is have her talk about two or three of the most recent articles she's written that she found most interesting or, or impactful. Katie, why don't you take it away and tell us about a couple of the most recent pieces you've written and issues you're following. Yeah, so I posted a story last week about Mayo Clinic rolling out yet another program for recovery outside hospital walls. So this is their second program. Their first was the Hybrid Hybrid Care Hotel, uh, which is in Florida, which allows low-risk surgical patients to recover in this hotel um, instead of within the hospital so that you know, beds can go to sicker patients and that patients can have some more convenience um, and comfort. They're still, you know, outfitted with, the rooms are outfitted with remote monitoring technology and um, patients can very easily reach their care teams if they need them. But um, it offers them a lot more convenience and comfort and can, like I said, free up hospital beds within the hospital. So They've said, uh, Mayo Clinic has said that patients are really enjoying staying in that hotel to recover for their surgeries. So they launched uh, another program called the Monitoring at Charter House, uh, which is that one's in Minnesota. It's really nearby to the system's flagship hospital in Rochester, Minnesota. Uh, But this is the same thing. It's apartments rather than a hotel room. But again, um, they're outfitted with remote monitoring technology to allow patients to uh, definitely be able to access care should they need it but most patients don't and, you know, are able to recover within their apartment and they seem to really be enjoying it. And Mayo Clinic is kind of a pioneer of this recovery outside the hospital setting um, initiative. So it'll be interesting to see if other health systems kind of pick this up and try to trial these facilities out themselves. No, it's fascinating. And I, I remember a long, long time ago, surgery centers, and they still do this, would send their patients, their longer recovery patients, to either a recovery center nearby, a hotel nearby, some other kinds of things. Not too different than that sort of recovery in, at home slash hotel concept that Mayo was talking about. And some of these new things sound a lot like that, you know, but, but, it, but much more enhanced today with much greater technology, much probably greater connectivity to the patient. So it probably feels a lot safer and probably could do higher acuity patients than we used to be able to see surgery centers doing. But, but it's fascinating to see this, you know, in this world of everything that's new is not really new, but a different iteration of it is how it feels. But it's fascinating to watch this. Katie, talk about another story you're following. I mean, this is, a, again, the Mayo Hospital at Home, different evolutions of hospital at home, different evolutions of recovery at home. And, and fascinating to see so much movement by necessity, really. The, the old phrase, uh, necessity is the mother of invention, couldn't be any more true in this context of all of a sudden a huge movement towards recovery at home and hospital at home as hospitals want their beds free for more acute or COVID patients or other patients and, and, and really need those, those beds when something, something happens like this. It's fascinating to watch this evolution. Um, and also there's economic pieces behind it as well. Katie, talk about another story you're following, which is fascinating. Thank you. Yeah, so last week, the health IT team posted a story about de-innovation, which is kind of um, an interesting topic that we came to learn about. So um, Dr. David Ash, who is the director of the Center for Healthcare Innovation at Penn Medicine in Philadelphia, told uh, one of my colleagues, Naomi, Naomi Diaz, about 
about this um, term he likes to call de-innovation. And he said that there's a resistance to innovation uh, that he likes to refer to by de-innovation that um, refers to the fact that it's hard for some clinicians to adopt new practices, but it's even harder for them to give up old practices that no longer serve their health system um, or no longer benefit the system. So this reluctance to sunset old technology or give up old processes can really hold hospitals back. Uh, and I thought it was interesting that he put that name to it, de-innovation. And then we spoke to some other hospital leaders about what this might look like at their hospital. So um, Chris Coburn, who um, is the chief innovation officer at Mass General Brigham said that, you know, hospitals could really benefit from revisiting questions that they asked when they launched their existing innovation projects. Um, you know, these existing projects that they have, they could really benefit by revisiting the questions they asked when they launched them to see if circumstances may have shifted or if new performance measures may have emerged that should be adopted. Is checking back to see what processes to nix or what performance measures to get rid of um, is a step that hospitals often ignore. And uh, Matthew Cole, which is Cleveland Clinic CIO, um, said that he has a similar process over there where with every new technology platform that Cleveland Clinic implements, its application rationalization team ensures that the data from their legacy applications is archived and that that, that technology is sunset. So uh, Matthew Cole said that this approach has reduced technology expenses by millions of dollars over at Cle Cleveland Clinic. So I thought it was an interesting concept that some of these leaders were talking about the fact that Everyone likes to talk about the buzzy new technology they're implementing, but sometimes getting rid of old technology um, or old processes is just as important. Yeah, well, it's a fascinating perspective, and, 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 and essentially it also, when you shift over to new technology, if you allow the legacy technology to keep on running for too long, and, and most providers want some sort of bridge till they get comfortable with the new technology, not just ripping off the Band-Aid, but, but I, and, and I think that bridge is probably necessary in a lot of spots, but at some point you do have to get rid of that old technology. You really haven't got the, pe the, the savings. The other thing that's so interesting about the, the innovation discussion, discussion from Chris Cover and Matt Cole, is I think their understanding of the pacing of technology change, innovation change, is it, it, so important too in the burden, you know, and how do you manage the burden on your providers so that it's getting the new technology but doing so in a way that your providers can manage without having so much stress and so much burnout. I mean, it, it you know, recalls back to our discussion last week talking about even EHRs today, which we're never going away from EHRs, are still such a huge burden on providers and clinicians, and more and more technology is trying to get to this ambient environment where they can take some of that burden off the clinician naturally. And so it's, it's interesting because it's hitting this right fit between what innovation people want and need and see and why we need it and providers and what they can adapt to in the right way. I mean, isn't there, I mean, there's some balance of those things, isn't there, Katie? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, this de-innovation that was referred to here is kind of the less glamorous process of innovation. You know, with every new technology that you implement, you might want to think about, you know, sunsetting some old ones or making sure that data is archived because um, otherwise, it could be, you know, confusing to some staff, or it just could be wasteful, or, um, you know, could, you could be losing money we, as well. I mean, so important. You've got a, if you've got if you're a mid-sized system, you've got 1,200 applications running, 10 enterprise systems running. You don't want to expand the number of 
applications running, the number of enterprise systems running. Like yeah, we 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 saw this with multiple systems that were running Epic, Cerner, Allscripts, MetaTag, because they had merged together a bunch of different systems. And at some point, maintaining all those systems became very expensive. And so most systems at some point made the decision to move towards one EHR system, not necessarily one total, but but more so not running six different legacy EHR enterprise systems just because it was too costly, too staff intensive, too much experience, all those kinds of things. It's No, it's a fascinating perspective and trying to constantly this this right Venn diagram, this overlap between what providers can handle and are ready to adopt and what they find useful and what technology innovation people find useful and hitting that middle ground, that sweet spot. And, and you're, you're right on the work on it is so important to make sure it's done right and the, and the wrong technologies are taken out so you don't continue to waste money on them. I think it's a fascinating perspective. Thank you. Katie, anything else you're following today? Or are those the two issues we're talking about today? The Mayo development of more household home programs and this, this sort of de-innovation. I love that term, de-innovation mm-hmm. to go with innovation and so forth. I have a quick one um, that I know a lot of the of our Becker's readers are um, following pretty closely. And that's that yesterday, Oracle had extended its Cerner tender offer for the third time. Um, and I bring this one up because I know Again, our audience is following this deal really closely, um, kind of waiting on if there's any developments with it or when it might close, because Oracle announced this agreement to acquire Cerner through its all-cash tender offer um, in late December, and that was about a $28.5 billion value. Um, And except for all these extensions, the terms and the conditions of the tender offer have remained unchanged. Um, So, you know, it's kind of like in limbo. A lot of people are watching this deal, not only because it's a lot of money, but because also it signifies how much these classic tech companies, you know, like the big tech companies you think about from uh, the Bay Area, how how serious they are about their push into healthcare and how um, how much money they're willing to invest into that and into that healthcare technology. So it's a really exciting deal and uh, it keeps on, you know, kind of getting delayed. So um, that was just an update on that that I know some of our readers are interested in. Well, that's absolutely fascinating because people sort of assume that's a done deal. And Oracle has got the business imperatives for it. I mean, one of the big drivers for Oracle is it will bolster their cloud computing business, which is such a huge part of the profits of Amazon and Microsoft today and an increasing part of the profits of Google. And everybody's trying to grow their cloud computing business because it's a profitable business. And, and it both allows Oracle's huge entry into, into healthcare through Cerner, but also makes Cerner a long-term customer or related party for Oracle's cloud business, which is so profitable. Fascinating that this has been delayed a little bit, delayed a little bit, and we'll see if there's actually real chasms there or if it's just is delayed because it's, you know, they're just working through it and always, you know, always unsure, but a fascinating point. Again, Katie Adams, a brilliant journalist at Becker's Healthcare in the, uh, you know, particularly in health technology and digital health, where she specializes. She's brilliant in everything, but those are areas she specializes in. Magnificent. Katie, thank you for joining us today again on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much.